Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Living Hope Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information about our church, please visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com. Heavenly Father, we thank you for scripture and the truth uh, that it brings, and today, Lord, as we continue to look at, um, at your story as recorded by Luke, Father, that it will be your Holy Spirit that speaks to us and leads to us, and perhaps even this morning gives us a word of warning on, on where we might be vulnerable in our own life. And Lord, we ask, I ask just that, that it would be um, just your words that, that, are, that are spoken today, that nothing not of you would, would be shared, Lord, uh, and that we would be attentive to your Holy Spirit throughout all of this. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. <clears throat> I used to work with a gentleman by the name of uh, Carlin Weinhauer, and um, he was a neat guy and fun for many reasons. But one of the things about Carlin, though, was that he just kind of had all these funny, like, quips and sayings. And, and like, we had, we, we had actually just kind of recently hired a new guy who was in the office, and, you know, Carlin stopped by and, and met him, and, you know, and, and, you know, things were going well, and Carlin gets ready to leave, and, you know, we're talking about, yes, yeah, you know, he's, he's been great to have him, and Carlin just goes, well... New broom sweeps clean, and then just walks out of the office. <laughs> and we laughed about that for weeks. We're like, what? What? <laughs> just kind of an odd thing to say. And so he had all these, like, little quips like that. And, and actually, if you listen to him, they, you would actually categorize them, like, as proverbs. or you Because know, even in the U.S., we have proverbs or wisdom, wisdom statements, right? Like, we have the book of proverbs, which is wisdom statements. But then, you know, even in the U.S., we say things like time is money or, you know, that kind of thing. And it's... Uh, what we would consider like a wisdom statement. One of them that, that he had, I, I remember he was in, I mean, he learned all these somewhere else, um, but we were talking about just really kind of the, the mysteries of God and how some people respond so favorably, you know, to the gospel and others don't. And he said, one of, one of his proverbs that he shared, you know, the same sun that bakes the clay melts the butter. And again, it was kind of like, you have so many weird sayings, but that's actually really good. <laughs> but, but this idea that, you know, you have two elements that are exposed to the exact same thing. And in one, it gets hard and brittle, and the other one gets soft. And that, that really kind of speaks to what we're looking at today. Um, we've been in a sermon series. We're, we're look, um, looking at the book of Luke, just kind of walking our way through it. And, uh, and today we're in Luke. We're in chapter 8, and we're in the, the parable of the sower. And really it's a story about how and why some people respond really favorably to the gospel and how, how some don't. And uh, so let me read this story to you first, just kind of in its entirety, and then we'll, we'll break it down and go through it piece by piece. I'm going to start right away just in verse 1. So I'm in, in the book of Luke, chapter 8, verse 1. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, uh, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven spirits, had, seven demons had gone out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. 
As he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock as it grew up, and it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. And when the disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for um, that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So Jesus is on the road. Um, he has, you'll see like in his ministry, sometimes he'll focus on a town or, or kind of a region. Here he is traveling. He's going town to town. Galilee is, is a whole region. Um, if you know, you've got the Sea of Galilee and kind of between the Sea of Galilee and the Mediterranean Sea, that whole region there would have been called Galilee. And so he's, he's, he's in this part of his ministry where it's like a, an itinerant ministry, a, a traveling ministry. Um, and also we see the, the crowds that following Jesus are getting larger and larger, right? Like this is a very big crowd that is, that is with Jesus. Um, he has his 12 disciples or 12 apostles um, there with him and um, other accounts. I mean, there's other people that follow him regularly. Um, and then also, in this case, they named some of the women that traveled with Jesus as well, too. Um, we have Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. We don't know a lot of her background or, or what happened. Um, but if she was freed from seven demons, I'm just going to assume that, that like life had a rough patch <laughs> for a while. And we don't get the details on it. We don't need the details other than that there, there must have been a kind of a rough season of life. And now she's been free from all that. Um, we have Joanna. Um, she, uh, so her husband is this guy named Chuza, Chuza, um, that's how I'm saying it. And he managed Herod's household. Um, and again, on the wording, it seems like she was also someone who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. So whether or not that was spiritual freedom or physical healing, not sure one of those. Um, Herod, this is the same guy that beheaded John the Baptist. This is the same guy that Jesus stood in front of. And so from those stories, I'm going to assume that he was not fun to work for, um, that this guy was just egotistical, um, just shallow, just terrifying. I would have hated his job to manage something un under him. And we have no idea how he felt, Chusa, how he felt about his wife, you know, being on the road, following around this itinerant, traveling preacher, prophet, Jesus guy. Like, maybe he thought that was fantastic. Maybe he opposed it. Like, we don't know kind of the, the state of their relationship. Um, and then also, we, Su Susanna, um, just also healed from, from spirits and infirmities. And then, 
I, these ladies, possibly, and some others um, help provide financially just for the cost of Jesus and the ministry and, and all these people being on the road. Jesus' ministry is shifting. Uh, he's getting very popular. The, the crowds are, are getting large, dealing with large groups. It's, um, I, I didn't realize this until this week, but from really from this point forward, Jesus starts to use parables a lot, especially as recorded in, in the book of Luke. Like He starts using a lot of parables now when in, in this part of, of his ministry, and several commentaries said that it appears that this is actually the first parable he uses. Which is actually really interesting, if, if you think about that, right? So Jesus is going to be doing a lot more traveling. The, the groups are getting large, so he, he's doing ministry to really large groups. He's going to shift to parables, and the very first parable he tells is about the Word of God being spread all over the place, and some receive it, and some don't, but blessed are those who receive it. And it, it's fascinating because it's kind of this foretelling of everything that's about to happen with, with Jesus over the next couple of years of preaching the gospel. And really, even beyond that, I mean, the, the apostles and the, or the disciples, as they go out, I mean, it really kind of foretells their ministry as they're traveling around sharing the gospel. And really, even beyond that, the church, right? I mean, thousands and thousands of small clusters of believers scattered throughout the world, each proclaiming the gospel— and so whether it's Jesus or the apostles or, or the local church, some people receive the gospel and some don't. And here are some of the, the reasons why. The parable has a strong theme on hearing, like that word hearing get, gets used a whole lot. But as you look at the parable, you see that this is not just physical hearing. Like this is spiritual healing, hearing. This is heart hearing, right? I mean, so it's, it's not just who physically hears the message, but spiritually does that person re- receive it. The listening in this parable is, is not just the human mind picking up on sound waves, right? Like this is, this is your spirit going to receive and accept the truth that, that your ears hear. And then in the next verse, we, we have the actual parable. Um, starting in verse 4. A great crowd was gathered around them. Uh, He told them this parable. A sower went out to sow seed. As he sowed, some fell along the path, was trampled underfoot. The birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock. As it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Some fell among the thorns. The thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Um, so we're going to unpack those in just a minute, or actually Jesus is going to unpack them for us in, in just a minute. Um, a couple things real quick. One is that, obviously, is that the seed is, is the word of God, right? That's the gospel message. It's interesting to note that the sower is careless, indiscriminate, um, generous about where he sows, right? Like, he's not strategic, he's not focused, he doesn't wait for the good soil and then put Like, he just, he just throws it everywhere. Right? Like, he just throws seed everywhere, and where it lands, it lands. Right? He, he doesn't care where it lands. He doesn't try to predict a response. He doesn't try to assess where it will be received well and where it won't and who's going to receive it and who rejects it. Like, he just tosses it around like crazy. The sower is really only responsible to throw it far and wide, and he's never faulted for that. He's never faulted for, like, well, you wasted some of the seed on the rocky path. Like, no, none of that. 
He just he 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 throws it everywhere. No blame falls on the throw on the sower for throwing the seed everywhere. And so, just the first idea that I would pull pull out of this is that for us to not get too worried about, oh well, who who would respond favorably and who won't, and what's strategic and what's good use, and right like. When it comes to the gospel message and the truth of Scripture, like, just, just chuck it everywhere. Like, it, like, their reaction is their responsibility. Your responsibility is just throw it far and wide and see, see who responds. Verse 9, when the disciples asked him what the parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And then Jesus tells those closest to, you, to them, um, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, which, which is a fascinating comment. <coughs> Excuse me, still have a head cold. Later on in his writings, Paul is going to talk about the secret uh, of the kingdom of God now made available. And the secret that Paul talks about is how the gospel was available to the whole world, right? Like Jews and Gentiles, not just the Jews. Because at the time, the Jews thought that they kind of had exclusive access to the gospel and to God and being called the children of God and all that other kind of stuff. And Paul's like, well, actually, the secret revealed is that the gospel is for everyone, right? And you and I are very familiar with that idea. But back then, that would have been controversial and unnerving, and that just would have been really hard to to wrestle with. Um, But Jesus mentioned secrets, as in plural, not not singular, Um, for people. I think Jesus is also telling them that, that for this group that are going to follow Jesus and listen to his parables and understand them, and he's going to teach them, that he's going to teach them how the kingdom works in, in all kinds of details, right? And I think Jesus is telling them, like, over the next couple of years, he is going to, to reveal, he's going to unravel the mysteries of the gospel, and they're, they're going to understand more, more fully and more depth the kingdom of God. But also recognizing that at the same time, a lot of people aren't going to understand because they're just, like, they're not going to listen. As we get into this parable as well, too, um, two, two other things. One of my first thoughts was, like, is this parable only about salvation? Because, frankly, if this is only about salvation, many, most, all, whatever, of you, you know, have experienced a moment of salvation. And so if this is really only a salvation verse, then it's, eh, it's kind of informative, but there's not a lot of application for you. But as I was reading through this, like for me, I'm going, well, yet I, that's still a danger for me, and that's still a danger for me, and that's still a danger for me. And so I think that while this, well, I think the, the kind of the primary thing is really a salvation verse, I think there are warnings in here that are valid for all of us. I don't think we get to outgrow or escape or outmature some of these warnings because I think we're susceptible right up until the moment that we die of getting distracted or, or getting pulled off, off track or believing lies. So even though the, that there is very much a, a salvation component to this, I think the warnings hold true for everybody right up till the, the very end. Here's the other thing as we go through this. It's easy to think of names, right? So early in the week, I'm reading through this, I'm like, oh, I can... Think of a name for that one. I can think of a name for that one. And, oh, yep, I know someone who did that, you know. And while true, 
I also realized after a few days that it's actually not very helpful, and I'm basically now just using the passage as an accusatory passage. So my encouragement to you is that as we go through this, don't strive to think of examples, and don't strive to think of names, because you can think of names. I'm sure we can all think of names. But don't, don't go down that path. Rather, use this as just self-reflection. Where am I vulnerable? Where have I had struggles? Like, what do I, what do I need to be uh, attentive to? And because we'll get to it in a minute. I, I think there is one in particular that I think we need, to be partic- that, that we need to be careful of as North Americans. Verse 11. The parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes, takes away the word from their hearts that they may not believe and be saved. So the path represents those who hear. The the devil steals it away. Um, You know, the path would have either been um, rocks or just hard-packed soil. And so one of the first things is just to know is that the seed never would have, like, gone in the ground to begin with. Right? Like, this, this, never, this never was absorbed, right? Like, it was never taken into the dirt. It was just right there on, to, on, on top of the, the rocks, on top of that, that hard pack. It's still out in the open, and it's stolen. Judas Iscariot is an easy example, I think, of this. I mean, the man was with Jesus for three years, and in the end, still betrayed him. And it's actually really, really interesting. If you look at um, the Last Supper, Jesus says, one of you will betray me. And all the disciples go, not I, Lord, not I, Lord, not I, Lord. And then Judas goes, not I, Rabbi. For everyone else, Jesus was Lord. But for Judas, he was still just a teacher. Like it never went to Lord level. It was just teacher. Matt Chandler um, tells stories about before he was a Christian, now, now he's a uh, a pastor and a preacher, um, but he talks about before he was a Christian, and he would go to, to church with his friends, and they would all listen to the same sermon, and afterwards they go out for lunch. You know, Matt would be thinking like, hey, there's maybe some good stuff in there, like maybe some things that, that, that we need to, to, to process, but his friends would, you know, they'd ridicule what it would say, and they'd downplay it, and they'd call it silly, and, and that kind of thing, and then, you know, after a while, Matt would just be like, yeah, you're probably right, there's nothing to that. You know, and he was basically reflecting how, you know, it, like it was there, it was almost there, but then in all these conversations with his friends, basically it was just stolen away. And, but he became a Christian later on. I don't know what happened to his friends, he didn't say. But even, even a mature Christian can develop a hard heart, a calloused heart, where we can hear truth preached, or we hear truth spoken to us, but we reject it and it's stolen away. And that truth never really penetrates into our lives, right? I mean, two people can go to the same conference or the same retreat or, or the same sermon, and, and one of them is just wrecked by the Spirit of God, and the other one just complains about the coffee the whole time, you know? So to, to, to not let our hearts get calloused, to not let our hearts get hardened, and, and to, to be receptive to the truth. Jesus explains the second one, verse 13. The one on the rocks are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But they have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. So some of you are farmers and some of you have gardens and and you love to plant things and and grow the green things, which is fantastic. Um, Not my skill set, but I really appreciate those of you. Like I would kill a cactus if I would, like it's bad. Um, 
But if there's no root, the plant dies, right? And it may start off strong if it's actually doomed from the beginning if there's no good root system. And I have heard, and I don't know if someone can confirm or or maybe this is just a, a, a myth, but that for certain potted plants that it actually depends on how big the pot is, right? Like if the pot is small, it will only get so big. It will not grow bigger until you put it in a bigger pot. Right? And so it's, it, it's limited by, by that, by the pot size, because no roots, no growth. Someone shows strong interest in Jesus or the gospel, and then things get hard, or there's a little bit of pushback from family and friends, and there's not that established root system, and they decide, you know what, the cost is just too much. And there's, there's full extremes on this, right? Like, just this last week, we had friends um, in our house. They've been serving in Niger, which is like 95-plus percent Muslim. And in that context, um, even though the government is tec- technically secular, and, and so legally there's not repercussions, there are social repercussions if you become a Christian. And so they say, you know, for them, one of the things that they struggle with is that if the husband becomes a Christian you may see a situation where the father-in-law will take his daughter back. Right? Where, where the father-in-law says, my daughter can no longer be with you and take his daughter back. Or if the wife becomes a Christian and the husband doesn't, the husband will divorce his wife. Right? So it's not, like, I don't want to downplay the, the whole kind of persecution thing. Right? Because for some people, like, it's, like, there's a, there's a cost that, that is to be paid. Um, but whether the case is extreme or, or simple, you know, um, hardship comes and people just reject the idea of, of following Jesus. And there's a version of this that I think is, is dangerous for established Christians as well, too, where we think that we're entitled to lack of suffering or lack of disease or lack of hardships because, you know, we somehow earned you know, good, good living, right? Like, hey, I've been a Christian my whole life, and so, Lord, if you really would love me, then I wouldn't have to go through this hard time. And I don't think that really gets promised to us, right? We, we think we've earned an easy life, you know, and that doesn't happen, and then we question God's character. So it's important for all of us, all of us, to develop those deep roots. The last one mentioned is thorns. So verse 14 uh, and as for what fell among the thorns and those who hear, um, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares, the riches, the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. I think this is the one that all of us need to fear until the moment we die, especially in North America. Um, I think every Christian here is in danger of just getting too comfortable too caught up in, in what we see with our physical eyes, too distracted by cares. Now, cares can be positive or negative, right? Like, you, like a lot of stress and anxiety or, you know, you just, um, or just interests, like things that you enjoy, but it just becomes a distraction. We get distracted by riches, pleasures, and we lose sight of the kingdom. Comfortable, stable, Midwest, United States, I think this is the one that we need to fear. Um, and that this is the one out of all three of them that is most likely to take us out of the game. Because it's uncomfortable to be radical. And so we do nothing. We just keep the status quo, try not to make waves. It's interesting. In the previous parable, things got too hard, and so people left Jesus. 
But in this parable, things got too good, and so people forgot Jesus. Philippians 4.13, right? Famous verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? We love it. We put it on posters. We recite it while jogging. You know, like this is our, this is our verse. What is less well-known are the verses right before it, verse 11. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation to be content. I know how to be brought low and how to abound. In any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So Paul is saying that he has learned the secret to thriving spiritually, whether or not he's in a situation where he has an abundance or lack of an abundance, where he's needed. And whether it's food or shelter or sleep or whatever, he can stay focused on Jesus, whether or not he's living in an environment where things are plush and comfortable and well-read or well-fed and well-rested, or hungry and sleepless and things are hard and we don't know what's happening tomorrow. Don't let the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life distract you from the goal. So the last example is the most encouraging, verse 15. Um, and, as for, uh, and as for that, in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Now, here I would say that this is, this is one where it's okay to think of names. I know I told you before, don't think of names. I think in this one, it's okay to think of names, right? Like, who are the people who have inspired you, right? Who are the people who, who have led remarkable lives? Um, I just started reading um, the biography of Amy Carmichael. She's this um, Irish missionary who went to India and opened a bunch of orphanages. I mean, it is a kid's book. Like, I mean, you can tell, like, it's a kid's book, but still. It's a great story. It's inspirational. Every so often I will read about someone or I will meet someone and afterwards I'm just like, what am I even doing with my life? <laughs> like, this person has accomplished more by age whatever than I even have vision for for like my entire life. And I think that kind of exposure is healthy for us, right? It's not always fun, but it's healthy. To be exposed to people, whether it's through books or a, a show or meeting them in person, we're just like, wow, like, I need to completely recalibrate my thinking of what it means to be a, a, a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Because, like, the, they've just, they've recalibrated everything on, on what that means. I've told this story before, but such a great story. There was um, uh, a couple in Abbotsford. After retirement... They became missionaries. They went to Ukraine. They were there um, several years. Um, came back, and then somehow in, in that process or, or during that time, um, discovered that he had cancer, and, and he passed away rather quickly. Uh, and I missed his funeral, but my friend came back, and he said the best line of the funeral, they, they were talking about him, and they said that he sprinted across the finish line. Oh, that's such a good line. Like, what a way to live your life. He sprinted across the finish line. Verse 15, 
As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast and honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Matthew records it this way. Other seed fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. All true believers are going to produce some kind of fruit, right? Something, right? And it's the proof that the Holy Spirit lives within you. And, and what that fruit looks like, actually, is probably as varied as the people in this room and, 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 the, and the people on this earth. I mean, each of us are built differently, and Ephesians 2 talks about each of us having specific good works prepared beforehand for us to do. This is a fun parable, and, and there's actually a lot more that, that we could unpack um, but first and foremost, like this, this helps us understand the world a little bit better, right? Some people are going to respond to the gospel, others are not. But in all of that, the sower is to simply spread the seed far and wide. And so it gives us a little bit of an understanding in the world. But also it gives us warning, right? Because even for those of you that have been Christian for a long time, like there are still dangers that you and I need to be cautious of. But most importantly, I think it gives us hope and encouragement. Because how amazing for the soul who gladly receives the gospel and with patience develops much fruit. Like those are the lives we want to live and those are the lives that we want to experience. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for both the warning and encouragement of this story. Um, Father, we thank you for just the profound wisdom in the way that Jesus would teach and how we have records of that and how it can inform and inspire us even today. Lord, for everyone here, I ask your blessing and your protection on them, that you would um, guide, guard their hearts and their minds, Lord. I pray that they would see the world with your eyes, Lord, that they would be aware of the physical but also aware of the spiritual. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have any questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com or email me directly at luke at livinghopehenderson.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.